Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey there, Outcasters. We are back after a week-long absence. That means we are talking about two episodes. That's right. It's Season 1, Episode 7, The Damage Done, and Season 1, Episode 8, What Lurks Within. Do you know what I mean by later times? If you do, you get a free pie from the streets of Sodom. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Oh, we are back. Back. No. It feels so nice. Does it? I feel this <laughs> is wonderful. It's not terrifying. It's oh, horrible. It's, it is. No, the show is is very frightening. The pulse quickens, but being back here on the panel with you guys, okay, that's mm, nice. Brings that's warm nice. feelings <laughs> of security. <laughs> Into my soul. Hi, welcome back. I'm Lex Michael. I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am back here with Lucretia Lyon. And you guys can always find me at L A C R E T I A L Y O N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Just one. Mm-hmm. Hi, guys. I'm Joelle Monique, and you can find me everywhere at Joelle Monique. Hey, guys. I'm Abby Vega. You can find me at underscore Abby Vega. So, Hey guys! Hi. So, so uh, as I'm sure you who are listening at home, listening and or watching, uh, we were absent last week. Most of us were at San Diego Comic Con because we're big old nerds. <laughs> I think I, I don't think I'd be way out of line in suggesting that it's possible that if you're watching and listening to us, that you may yourself be a big old nerd. <laughs> Which means I think you're 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 exactly who I'm talking to. I want to talk to you really quickly about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Loot Crate, and yeah. we we were just at Comic Con. Loot Crate is a little bit like your very own Comic Con that comes to your house once a month. With Loot Crate, you get collectibles, apparel, and more from your favorite pop culture franchises delivered right to your door every single month. I mean, we're we're talking a new T-shirt in every crate, figures, comics, stuff for your kitchen, a wide range of exclusive items you can't get anywhere else from fan favorite franchises like Harry Potter, Marvel Comics, Fallout, Star Wars, and so much more, and you can get... Yes, Firefly! <laughs> Absolutely. All of them. All of them. If it's a nerdy thing and you like it, it's probably in one of these boxes. And you can get all of this for less than $20 a month. It's a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. You get, for that $20 or less a month, less than $20, you get 68 items, which includes licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and a lot more really cool stuff. They have theme boxes every month. It's August. Suicide Squad's about to come out. Yeah. This, this month's mm-hmm theme, appropriately enough, is anti-heroes. From bad guys doing good things for the wrong reason to good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero-villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that includes two great collectibles, a wearable, of course, the monthly tee, and don't forget the pin. Now, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m., Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, if you miss that deadline, it's over. Too bad you can't get this box anymore. It's gone. So act fast. Make sure to head over to lootcrate.com slash buzz and enter code buzz, B-U-Z-Z, to save $3 off any new subscription. Loot Crate, come geek out with us. 
Do it. Uh, get it. It's the best gift. I don't know if you guys get Lou Crate, but every time I get mine and I open it, I'm like, this is the greatest thing. My whole room, mostly decorated in Lou Crate. And wow. see, you don't even have to wait in line like at San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> Dude, I would, have, I would have come back from Comic-Con with so much more cool free swag if they brought it to, to me. me. Right? Like, like Lou Crate. Okay, so, all right, all right. We have, we have a ton, a ton, a ton that we got to get to this week yes. because we are covering two episodes and oh man mm. what a crazy eventful two episodes so really quick right off the bat big massive story turns what did you guys think about about the events of these these two most recent shows i mean i would call these two episodes the answers episodes because we finally get a full like you're like oh the whole time i was like i get it now it's happening but also to watch uh, anderson you guys know how i feel about anderson I love Anderson. I have such split feelings now. <laughs> uh, I know you. I know you love Anderson, Lucretia, but I just feel like <laughs> so vain and so into himself, mm-hmm. and always doing things for the completely wrong reasons. And then to see this, though, I still felt bad for him. I was like, "Wow, dude, you're really spiraling." But then, is he the crazy guy with all the right answers? No one's listening to. It feels that way. He's chicken little. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I we. We're going to talk about all of it. I think so as, one, as, one, as one big amorphous blob of happenings. I kept coming back to, especially when you get to the end of episode eight, I kept coming back to what Sydney said to Mildred a couple episodes ago about how he was going to take care of Anderson because mm-hmm. he knows how Anderson thinks. He took he took care of Anderson because he knows how Anderson thinks. I mean, he certainly put him in a place that he could not easily recover from. And if as pride is his biggest sin... To prey on that, his, you know, visual aesthetic, then to take away his flock, and then to, you know, the only person who kind of does believe in him is now like, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, <laughs> I started to question what it is we're doing here. He definitely did a number on Anderson. But where we ended, and I won't go too far into it, it gives me a little hope for Anderson. Well, why don't we track Anderson a little bit? Because I don't know about you guys, for my money, consistently the most compelling character on this show, to me, I think there's the most meat that you can dig into. And See, as soon as I said meat, though, I, got, <laughs> I, got, the, I got the mental image of the pentagram, and I like I immediately regret. I immediately regret giving myself that visual. But there's so there is so much to dig into there, and we see how his best intentions, his his commitment to this fight, and this he's he's not wrong either. That's the thing is Anderson is seeing all this evil. He's trying to warn everybody about all this evil that is present, and he's one hundred percent correct. But it is how focused he is on getting everybody else to see it and fighting it and stopping it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and his desire to keep mm. himself at the center of it. Yeah. The, his complete and total need to control the fact that he is like, they need to know it, but they have to know it from me, not from a non-believer like Kyle. Yes. They need to know it, but they need to come to my church in order to hear it. There's no bending or flexing in his way of presenting this information, and it's causing him to go mad, and it's it's frustrating as a viewer when you're like, get it together, Anderson, you're so close. And yet, so far, yeah, it's, that's what's like annoying. I think that's what's annoying about him. I'm very annoyed with him because mm-hmm. it's so true. It's he's trying to make it seem like he wants to help, but if he truly was just looking out for everyone, he wouldn't be as um, like set on the fact that he needs to be the one to do it. You know, in like I forget episode six mm-hmm. or seven when he said, "No, this one's mine to Kyle." <laughs> you know, it's it's all about him, and that's what I am kind of. I don't know. And I think I think we can all relate to Anderson on that way, though, because this is something he uh, 
left his family for this cause. So as Lex, he's not really wrong. It's just that pride is becoming his greatest sin. And I think, you know, that's what Sydney knew, especially being the, the greatest blasphemy as someone who knows someone with a pentagram tattoo on their chest. To have it carved <laughs> in on this guy who he is a man of God, while he may say, God damn it, all the time, he's a more realistic man of God. And the fact to just like just, just has branded him as a kook now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's his whole intention was Sydney to make him seem so insane and you know he's doing this you know to himself uh to discredit him like most um heroes that have come out whether you're into comics or just you know history you know it's funny i'm over here giggling quietly to myself because (laughs) i agree i agree wholeheartedly with everything that you just said but the very first thing that you led with reminds me of the this very specific exchange from of all things the big lebowski and i hear i hear the reverend i hear the reverend and kyle in my head and reverend's going am i wrong kyle am i wrong and kyle goes you're not wrong reverend you're just an asshole And that's, that seems to be what's happening. Is It's exactly what you guys are saying. It's He's right, but there seems to be this line that he's not doing a real great job treading between I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do and I'm doing this because I gave up my family for this fight. Yeah. I gave up my life for this fight. I did it. You only need to recognize that I, what I sacrificed and I was right and that what I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, dude. He's a millennial. I mean, and people would know we would not claim Anderson. Um, no, I, and especially when he's talking to Kyle about, like, you know, his next plan, he was like, I'll have him packing it in. And you're just like, sir, this is someone's life. Like, you, people go into comas when you guys help. Like, it's dangerous. And your flippancy with other people in this situation and your inability to see. Like, I guess what's frustrating for me is, like, look, if you're going to be a reverend, like, isn't your first passion, your first purpose, the people? Ideally, but there's much money to be made in the church. Right? (laughs) To just be so cavalier with the fact that, you know, they are possibly doing more harm than good. Like, Kyle mentions that in episode six. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. People aren't getting better. He's like, it's better that they're them than these people. Is it? Yeah. Who are you to say? We don't ask. We just charge into these people's homes and make demands that you come back. It's just silliness, and it's I. I need him to evolve into whatever next step is for him. What I what I love is you specifically used the word plan just now, and it's it's two things. One, planning doesn't really seem to be Anderson's forte. No, he's a passionate guy, and he yeah. keeps doing things that we're gonna. I, very next thing I want to hit on is some of the not so smart things that mm. that Anderson does in these two episodes. But we get to a point in episode eight, I believe, where we finally see, or the way I read it was, we finally see Anderson and Kyle's power dynamic totally flip. Oh yeah, and it's specifically because Anderson is incredibly passionate and as we keep saying he's not necessarily wrong he just can't keep it together mm. case in point when he very publicly <laughs> at this at this remembrance day celebration oh very publicly makes a show over not only accusing Sydney who the rest of the town knows as this Random man old guy. this quiet older yeah. fellow <laughs> uh, not, to bury his friend and pack up his home right by the not way. only accuses him of assault but then exposes the pentagram on his chest to everybody. Yelling and the devil pointing. Could have made a better scene. Which, of course, has the sole impact of making everybody think that Anderson is crazy pants. Not not the most productive course of action. No, No, and it's it's kind of... Because you could see, like, in a lot of genre films where this might be the point where... 
from another period where the town would be like, oh, no, it's a devil, like, grab your pitchforks, and, but to see that kind of turn, that, uh, all the hate he was hoping would generate towards Sydney, to see it flipped back on him, I was even kind of shocked to see the church bear. Like, not one yeah, no person one came. I, I mean, the guy had a meltdown, but he's also your pastor, like, I don't know, is... But the people turn on him. The church itself turns That's on true. him. That's true. This is not your house. This is the people of this parish and God's house. I was like, oh, they can't oh, lay down the burned. law. Oh, yeah. But again, like to, to be fair, on paper, I understand to an extent why they feel like they have to distance themselves from this guy a little bit. Oh, yeah. I would be the first to be like, he's got to go. Well, yeah. there's, there's the public outburst, but then let's not forget... Almost the very next thing that he does is tries to kidnap Ogden's <laughs> wife. Successfully kidnaps her. Successfully. So, you know, like, it, and again, he's not wrong, but he is so, he has so lost sight of the practicalities of mm-hmm. fighting this fight in reality, where not everybody is on exactly the same page as you, that he's becoming a liability to their cause, proving Sydney ultimately entirely correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just completely consumed, so much so that he can't stop to ask any questions of people he's been friends with for a long time. Like he can't confide in uh, the sheriff, he can't confide in... Um, his his the guy he calls his longest time. oh no no the chief the fire chief I can't think of his name Ogden Ogden mm. thank you he can't find Ogden and especially if if you if somebody comes to you and is like this person has changed and you've known Ogden you played poker with him like you guys have an intimate relationship you don't think to ask like have you noticed any changes in your wife right. like especially as a priest you have yeah. such power and that, I think that just goes more to show like how consumed he is by needing to make this change and it's kind of harrowing in a way to see him continue to push and be like, oh no, I'm gonna prove it. It's like, sir, you have so many chips stacked against you. No one is in your corner. And yet to still be that determined. And it kind of leads us to where he ends up when he ends up at his girlfriend's house and he's like, I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. He didn't really have anywhere else. And I feel she doesn't have the whole story but now is not the right time to consummate this relationship. Yeah. No, <laughs> a lot especially, of it <laughs> Well, it creates this, it, it exacerbates a, a situation in Patricia's home between her and her son mm, that oh, already that exists. Kid. I hate I wanna, that kid. Oh, oh, we're going we're gonna to circle around. <laughs> we're going to circle around to the King Joffrey of Outcast in, in yeah. a few minutes. Oh, For sure, but you did, you brought up Ogden, and I want to jump into that because yes. that, we, we obviously, when we see the Reverend try and kidnap Ogden, Wife. Obviously, these two storylines converge in a really big, yeah. significant way. So, okay, we see, it's funny, we pick up with Chief and Ogden at this poker game, and I wasn't expecting them to get into it as yeah. quickly as they yeah. did. I was, I'm watching the scene, and I'm like, it's tense, it's because we know, like, Chief knows something's up, Ogden mm-hmm. knows Chief knows something, so we're going to continue to build this tension out a little bit. Oh. Oh, we're, no. we're doing this now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright, let's go. And they literally, they, they come, they come to blows over it, and Giles ends up recruiting Kyle to be like, all right, you just go 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 touch my friend and let's make sure, <laughs> let's make sure that my friend doesn't have the devil in him. Oh. And as it turns out, it's not Ogden that's possessed, it's Ogden's wife. That was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the whole time, I the first thing I thought back to was when we saw the do- dog freaking out, and we just automatically assumed it was Ogden. We never once were even questioning his wife having something yeah. to do with it. And so I thought that was a big shock, actually. It took me back to the scene where he's mowing his lawn, and this girl, we kind of presumed he had some kind of sexual relationship with, and you just see the blinds peek open a little bit. To which I'm like, of course his wife is concerned. Like, Mm -hmm. who, what wife wouldn't be? But no. 
she might be evil. We have to get into that later, mm-hmm. but evil question mark? I don't know. Well, so uh, why don't we get into it now? Because it ties in not just to the storyline that we're discussing currently, but it also ties directly back into what I can only assume is going to be an ever uh, increasingly severe (laughs) existential struggle for Anderson as he tries to grapple with these new pieces of information. But it's this conversation that Giles has with Ogden where they've determined, okay, it's not not you that's got this this whatever in, in you. It's your wife. And not only does Ogden know... Not only is he known the whole time, mm. he's cool with it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so sweet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, it brings you back to something that you said. You you brought up like that. Are they really better without this mm-hmm. in them? And it seemed like he said straight up. He's like, I like this person that I woke up to. Now he like likes the way she. He almost likes his wife better. He actually yeah, said, he does. This, yeah, this, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life." So with. that's yeah. why it's so interesting because up until this point, she hasn't done anything mm-hmm. evil. She hasn't hurt anyone. Um, just yeah, right now she's just. Oh, I guess a better version of herself. Yeah, and for I her like, husband at least. Yeah, I like how Kyle pointed that out. He's like, "Look, she hasn't done anything." And to me, this is really a good change because we're assuming that this is demonic possession making people do evil things, but that's not necessarily mm-hmm. true because, like he said, I like her better now. You know, and she's trying to help other people, as you saw. What what the little camper was was them putting people in there when it was first kind of insane and they're a little erratic, and then it's like, oh, once they're done and back to normal, well, come on out, we'll you know, welcome to the which, world. Which circles back yeah. to what Sydney was saying when he was like, those first couple of days were kind of rough, and it's just like, <clears throat> well, because you and I don't know about you guys, but I got the sense that what happened to Kyle's mom. The Swift lasted a long time. I felt like she was that dangerous for a long time. But now to know that it was a swift change from my mom to demonic possession to parrot-like comatose for the rest of her life, it kind of... Poor Kyle. Like, it wasn't even like he... Poor Kyle. He, he has no answers, no idea what is going on. And now to know that he is the, like, matchstick slash lighthouse. They use a lot of metaphors for what he was. Yeah. sources for what he was. But it's just... I. How can you still want to take care of your daughter? Is what that was to me. I was like, you have to get your daughter away from you. She has to be far away. Oh yeah, and not to not to because I, I there's a lot that we uh, need to touch on as pertains to Kyle. But like we did that, and then we find out too that Kyle was the only survivor of this horrible like mine yeah. accident. So it's yeah. a, they found a way. I didn't know that it was still possible. They found a way to not just double down on how awful <laughs> Kyle's life is, but quadruple down on how bad his life is in the span of two episodes. Only because the guy was taking over his shift so he could watch his daughter being born. Like, it is just a hot mess of Kyle's life. Yeah. And I don't know how he continues to be so positive. Like, he's down about it, but he's still like, there's probably a way. We just need an answer. I don't know how you still have that after the amount of the catastrophes he's had to suffer. Kyle's sure. Barry Allen. His life sucks, but he's still like, I'm gonna make it the best out of it. He is. He's like a slower, sadder Barry. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, like we like we were talking about. So Ogden is obviously so committed to this idea that this is the best version of the woman that he's married to. That he was helping people transition through that that rough patch to get to the other side of it, out in that camper in the woods, which is what that camper was for. This idea, this idea that maybe these inhabiting spirits could possibly make people better, or at least that it doesn't. It doesn't automatically equate to their evil, their monstrous, their destruction. It doesn't crush them as a person. Like, they're still in there. They still have control some of the times. Because it was, say, like, they would have found a way to coexist eventually. Which was a haunting line to me. Because, like, Mm -hmm. 
I don't share my body, like, permanently with somebody else. Like, that seems like hell, but you can't expunge it, and then also the level of controls needs to vary by whatever this substance is that's entering you. Right. And yeah, because uh, Hikari Tanoa made a good comment about that in the chat here. I like how Sydney's possessed dynamic is that he is the one fighting a monster instead of the other way around. So Sydney's the yeah. very next yeah. thing, so very next yeah. thing that I want to talk about. But it yeah. is this idea, right? This idea that what happens if this thing that we were led to understand is evil, or this th- let's refer to it for argument's sake. Let's say evil, right? What do we do? What does Anderson do? What does Kyle do when he's a little less preoccupied and goes back to like, <laughs> oh, all right, demons? What do you do when evil moves in and everyone decides they're okay with it? Which is actually, I'm watching these two episodes and I'm going, hey, that's a little like what's happening on the national yeah, stage a- right now. That's, <laughs> for now. That's a little, this is weirdly timely and makes me uncomfortable. But what do, seriously, how do you combat evil when everyone else decides this isn't so bad? But all right. Okay, so we're talking about how it doesn't necessarily make the inhabiting, the, the host, let's say, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make the host more evil or more destructive. And Sydney is obviously the most fascinating example of that that we've gotten so far. We get a lot of information about who Sydney is, was, what he yeah, did. Kind of. Because yeah. the first introduction we have is not Sydney. To which me, I was sitting there and I was like, this is odd, because I believed that performance. And great. Amazing performance. In watching Sydney, as we know him, standing behind the counter, selling toys, or like handing out toys for tickets to these kids, I was like, this doesn't feel like Sydney in the least. This doesn't even feel like Sydney putting on a performance to convince people. This is an entirely different person. And as I'm watching, and we're slowly evolving, and then toward the end when we learn, like, oh no, this is a terrible person that Sydney just happened to land. And the fact that you don't get choice either was fascinating to me like you just land where you land it's just a gamble this is where he ended up and then to learn that he can keep that person in control and that he isn't explicitly evil it's so many new questions and confusion and like we're like what are you here for like what do you guys mm-hmm. want yeah because to me it's so interesting because sydney is a good example of someone who's honestly Better, I would say, with the demonic possession because he's no longer a child molester. I definitely, yeah. I definitely think once you yeah. stop abducting, molesting, and no. murdering children, you've definitely you've leveled up in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure. Absolutely. Little victories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. For sure. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, maybe. Oh God. Um, but so we do. Okay. So we get all this information, and I wanted to ask you guys. We we get Sydney's backstory via these flashbacks. How much of it are we meant to take as gospel? Like, how much of it are we meant to infer? Like, this is actually what happened, and how much of it is... This was something, because we get a lot of this information intercut with uh, the conversation he has with Kyle. We get some of this backstory Mm. information. How much of it did you guys read as this is explicitly what happened, and how much of it did you read as this is Sydney telling the story of what happened and possibly bending some of the details. Oh, I didn't even think about that, to be completely say, honest. It never even occurs to me to question the narrator, which is why, like, me, Earl, and Dying Girl always gives it. Like, no, why would you lie? You're telling mm-hmm. me a story. F. But, <laughs> but now that you say it, uh, uh, somebody just mentioned in the chat uh, the quote from Reverend Anderson a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, the devil's a trickster, and I'm like, True. well, mm-hmm. well, maybe he was. And what a better way to get someone on your side quicker than to be like, I stop people from molesting children. Yeah, that's You're true. You're a winner. You win in my yeah. book. But then that scene at the end makes me question all of that because the moment when the redhead kid walks in and he's like, 
his hand is shaking and it seems yeah. like he's trying to internally pull something back makes me believe that if it isn't all true at least a good portion of it was sure yeah i don't have a hard time buying that that the host for sydney and by the way is sydney the host's name or is sydney the demon's name <laughs> i know i think they take it sounds like they keep their names the yeah, names of so. the hosts they land well, into. when mildred was talking about it it sounded like it could possibly go i it, i couldn't tell it sounded like mildred was maybe a name she picked for herself that was a confusing no. moment but it sounded like it could go either way yeah. which is specifically why i'm like was sydney's name or did he just go i feel like a sydney, sydney. Today. <laughs> yeah. this is where i'm at i don't know Mm. Does his badge say the? I remember him wearing a name tag, but I remember trying to read it. I don't. We'll have to go back and watch and see if there are some clues if he's Sydney before. Yeah, but so okay, so I have no problem buying that Sydney was in his previous iteration this horrific monster, if only because it just adds so much really interesting thematic mm. meat to this story. Meat again with the pentagram. Stop it. <laughs> Let's stop with the meat. Awful. Um, but it adds so much complexity to yeah. to this story uh, that I really, really enjoy. And it makes this relationship he has with Patricia's son, whose name I believe is Aaron, oh. this this angry, weird, twisted little, little red hair boy, um, <laughs> that much more tense because this can go so many different ways, one of which being he could still, like, kill and molest the They boy. do coexist. We know that now, so it's very possible. I get that vibe. That, that, I think that that's, that's what's going to happen. That's the could have let him stay, is that there's a possibility his other side might get out, which... Obviously, we don't wish harm on anyone, but this kid is a is thorn a, in the side that totally if he there. went, so, and just as a viewer, I'd be like, okay. Because yeah. the way they showed like that, he had a, like those flashbacks again with him sitting there. That's what made me also think that like this is going to happen again. Yeah, and to me, it's just like I've seen a documentary once um, that <laughs> said that ginger kids don't have souls. So I'm pretty sure again, it's okay if they kill this kid. By the way, seriously, like this this does seem to be a thing, right? Where a lot of people joke. You see, you see online the the whole the memeified joke of how like gingers yeah. don't they're like scary demonic creatures, right? They are. Why? Who was responsible for saying we're going to take we're gonna, our our Joffrey is going to be a little ginger boy? Like, because <laughs> that's mean. They get so much flack already, and like excellent casting, that great casting. But, but seriously though, like all kidding aside, this kid is great. I mm. I need to look up the name of this child actor. He's phenomenal, and much like Jack Leeson, who plays Joffrey, you need a very very solid, very skilled young actor to be able to make that performance work, to be able to make you hate that character yes. in yes, the way that you're supposed to. Yeah, and also make it believable that he he feels validated in his decision making. You see a lot of evil people who are just like, I'm evil for sake of being evil, but this kid has like the receipts of why he turned out this way. He's like, my mom is a whore and my dad died. Yeah, he holds his so, mom a slut. Yeah. Like, so, too, I was like, what? Patricia seems like such a lovely woman. I know. And I don't understand how this mm-hmm. happened. I get it. He lost his dad and that's rough. That's a rough situation for anybody to grow up in. And I I guess they they don't like gingers over there or something, <laughs> and so he's not very nice. But Patricia's such a lovely woman. How did this happen? It seems like Patricia maybe has had an arc before we get to her where she might have been trying to heal the gap of losing her husband by being with a lot of men. Sure. If we're to yeah. believe Aaron at all. And if that's the case, I get where Aaron's like... 13 to 15 year old developmental years would be mad at his mother which you kind of get that reaction when they're sitting at the table 
and he's like being mean to her and she's like you know I just love you which that scene really got me I thought it was emotionally so great and poignant and if you've ever been mad at your parent they come back with you like I just love you you're just like oh god yeah. oh I'm crippled and so like I really really enjoyed that scene I think maybe I, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't change him at all though I was shocked that like because he was had a visceral reaction to it he was clearly like what's happening I don't like this emotions but he didn't change his mind at all. And I was like, how can you do this? So that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about, though, is not that the kid seems like he's a bit of a punk, because that that happens. That's just some kids, especially when you grow up in a, in a difficult environment, that can happen. It's the fact that this kid seems, for all intents and purposes, like a sociopath, mm-hmm. that, for, like, he seems very calm about having watched Sidney carve a pentagram yes. into Anderson's chest. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of dead animals buried in their backyard from this kid. I mean, he really comes off, and he is one of those people, like, as we say, Patricia seems like a lovely woman, and I would assume the way that she is with Reverend Anderson, this, she probably isn't a slut. Her son is just very classically Oedipal in this, you know, complex (laughs) here. Because I remember at the beginning of the season, though, I... I was kind of weird. I didn't think mm-hmm. Patricia was as great as she, she is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Me so, I mean, it doesn't, like it's like you said, it doesn't change anything about him. Like, he is that way, and he is kind of sociopath, whatever. He's weird. But I do definitely think that there is more to Patricia that we mm-hmm. didn't really fully see. For sure. Because mm-hmm. definitely at the beginning, we saw her trying to kind of cozy up to the reverend and kind of doing little things. So I'm sure she went through this whole maybe slutty phase, <laughs> but that doesn't, that doesn't give you the permission to call your mom a slut no, and treat else? her like that. I get, like, very devil-worshipy feels, like, goth kid from this kid, which is... Well, yeah, he's no. going and he's drawing the pentagrams the, on a statue, yeah. and he's he's joining up with this dude who he doesn't necessarily know is the devil, but he definitely knows is at least down with the devil, because he's carving, carving pentagrams into people. I'm like, would you go into someone's house that you saw carving someone? <laughs> I'm like, what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, Ken. Yeah, and to me, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even think of the words to say. It's fun to note that the pentagram that he painted on the statue was a statue to remember his dead father. Yeah. And that's, oh, that actually makes it darker. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. They're very distressing layers. Is Anna yeah. looking for a strong father figure? Is that what this is? Is yeah. he like, I need a strong man oh, in my life to help me grow and to, like... The demon I'm supposed to be. He's well on his way. He's going to be great. Well, and that's the thing. It's also, this kid is not being passive in his dickishness either. He's Mm. the one, he lies and says that Anderson carved the pentagram on himself. He's the reason why, like, Giles knows, Mm. sums up, and he takes Sydney in. Because he knows, even though Anderson may be a bit of an asshole, he's not completely wrong. And he also knows Anderson enough that he knows, probably you probably didn't carve that into your own chest. I thought you a medical examiner in town, they could be like, from this angle, you could not have carved this into your chest. I, you know I want him to small, not have to take that. Small West Virginia town, small, <laughs> probably underfunded police department. It's <laughs> like an hour away by plane. Like, we've got this, guys. We can can, you, can you imagine that phone call, though? Like, yeah, we need, we need you to fly somebody in. Why, why what happened? Well, the devil may have carved a pentagram into the chest of the priest, and everybody thinks the priest did. I'm pretty sure it was the devil, though. So could you come here and like maybe suss this out for us? But uh, so he locks Sydney up, and that's where you get that conversation—the the very, the very, uh, the dark night conversation between Sydney and Kyle. 
But it is Aaron lying about what he saw that gets Sydney released, and he says like, "Hey, I'm your, I'm your little dude. I'm your little, I'm your little ginger <laughs> helper." Yeah, the way he said that, like he thought Sydney was gonna be so excited, and he wasn't. He's like, "I'm the one who got you out of there." It's like, what? This kid. And I honestly, for a second, when he walked into the police station, I thought he was going to do the right thing. Call me crazy. Mm. I thought he was actually going in there to say, hey, I saw this happen. And that that didn't happen. Makes mm. you childhood's hour just said, so, did he kill all those animals yeah. in the trailer? I had and that exact so- thought a couple of minutes ago, and I didn't call it out, so thank you for calling that out in the chat. We... I think we're maybe supposed to assume that those were tied directly to the camper and maybe those were killed by some of the people in transition, but they never explicitly state that. And they're locked in. They can't get, to what we saw, they can't get out without the help of the fire chief, Ogden, and they're placed so specifically, it doesn't seem like madness. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Or the the chaotic kind of madness that we're seeing out of the people that have been possessed. So I would certainly not rule out that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I mean, being that it's Robert Kirkman, normally the whole, you know, point of most of his books is that people are the real evil. And see, this kid is clearly not possessed. He is just clearly, you know, the signs of a psychopath. From someone who actually has a psychology degree, I guess I could make a, make an official <laughs> diagnosis. This kid, you know, and and if they show that he's the one that killed these animals, which is more logical, being how they were placed, then they probably will start opening up into the you know theme of all of Robert's books. Yeah, because I like what you just said. Yeah. I is because I think of Donnie as mm. well. Yeah, if you First see these, had, you yep. see these couple characters who aren't possessed or don't have any demons in them, but they're doing more evil things than the people who are possessed because Ogden's wife she's done nothing wrong and then you have Donnie and you have Aaron being psychos so that's kind of a great point that's to, actually you know? that's exactly the segue that I would have good, good for you that's yeah. exactly the segue that I would have gone with um, because it is in an episode where the guy that we've been treating as the devil incarnate is actually possibly in a in a way doing a certain amount of good by keeping this this murderer he's inhabiting at bay, then you do have somebody like Donnie, who I would argue is consistently displaying the most insidious kind of evil that we're Mm -hmm. seeing on Mm -hmm. this show. So I did want to talk a little bit about that entire thread because we got a lot of really nice stuff between Megan and Mark and a lot of really nasty, icky stuff from Donnie. And I wanted to talk to you guys about that because it just, it, my, my, my feelings. Donnie can go straight to hell. Oh dear. Right deep down into the lowest pit of it. I hate this man. Mm. I kind of wish we could have seen the meeting like up close. Like I wish we could have been there when, um, Mike snapped and it was just like, I'm Mm. just going to pound your face in. Um, to especially after he took the money, like bro, bro, you took the money and now you're gonna flip back around and be like, yeah, I'm also gonna make you lose your job. Yeah, and important and to your know, wedding ring. He didn't just he didn't just take some money from them. He didn't just oh. take a payout. He took literally every penny they had, and then immediately turns around. It's like, no, no, yeah, thank you, but it's all it's all cash. So now you can't even prove <laughs> yeah. that I have it. I'm going to sue you anyway. He's also that kind of Joffrey... uh, Well, actually, Joffrey has, like, a temper, but it always... I hate when there's, like, that evil person who's just so calm about what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When he's kind of figuring out what he wants from her when he's having the meeting. He has this sinister 
calmness about the evil that he's doing. You know now what I'm I mean? I'm trying to think of what the analog is. He's not he's not sadistic enough to be Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Who maybe like Walter Frey? Like maybe yeah, maybe you know when I mean, Johnny you know? gets to be like seventy, he'll be like a weird rapey Walter Frey. Like, yeah, so so Walter Frey. Like that those type of evils creep me out even more when they're just so fine with it and and chill about it. Well, we've it's been talking weird. about it since Johnny came on. Like his just desire to be completely in control of her life mm-hmm. and his complete obsession with her is just beyond disturbing. And I feel strongly that he's going to get his comeuppance very soon. I, I don't hope know so. how. But either way, I'm really proud of, of our couple like yeah. rallying together and being like, look, I'm just going to sell this truck. I'm going to admit that I made some mistakes, that I should have never gone after him like you asked me to. I was passionate in the moment, but we're going to get back together. We're going to get back on the right track. I almost rolled, genuinely almost rolled a tear during that scene. I'm, I'm being, but I'm being totally yeah. serious. It's because it's not, it's it's an apology, but more than an apology, it's, it's, he, Mark goes and sells the truck, not because this is really going to make a big dent. This is not going to solve our problems. We're still in for a world of hell to come, but I'm getting you your ring back and we're going to figure this out together. And it's, it's, basically a profound way not just to say that he loves her but to demonstrate his love for her and it like oh it worked on me like gangbusters why did megan give everything because that was what it was worth to her it was worth everything for him just to be gone if i have to like this rock on my finger means nothing like i will still have my family you have to be out of my life forever and then this is why when he comes back you're just like so close so we had a solution you asshole Oh, hate him. <laughs> and, and the, the, the symbolism of the ring just reminds me of one of my favorite moments from the other Robert Kirkman show, The Walking Dead, and where um, Glenn and Maggie, who I feel like Megan and Mark really do represent this, the couple that's the bright spot and sticks together. But when he cuts the ring off the zombie's finger in order to give her a proper ring. It is just the most romantic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Sounds it is, and so, so, yeah. it is so yeah. weirdly poignant yeah. for a show about dead people eating living people <laughs> that, like, yeah, it, it went weirdly affecting. And that's something that I think Kirkman does well, is he creates these worlds which have the most bizarre, otherworldly, hellish, demonic elements you can think of, and still manages to find these little these little, little moments, like parts. these really nice kernels of empathy and poignancy and humanity amidst it. And like, that can be very tough to do, especially to do consistently and to do well. And man, that moment was such a nice, it was a relief, such a relief from how dark and stressful not just not just for the holders but for everybody things have been and then it gets me thinking about uh lucretia what you were saying about how this this big theme that kirkman tends to run with is that the real evil bigger than the demonic evil is people and again it's like we see a little bit how these demonic entities that are possessing these people are making certain choices but if we were to take the, if we were to accept the premise that like evil is as evil does, and evil is evil, and that's what guides whatever it ends up doing, there's only so much choice that these demonic entities have. Whereas someone like Donnie is very much human, and he's very much making these choices. Mm-hmm. He is knowingly choosing to do these mm-hmm. things. That, to me, I don't know if, if you guys agree or disagree. That to me is objectively more evil. Oh, hundred percent. Than being evil by your very nature and not actively making the choice to be so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to his bloody and untimely demise. Um, <laughs> as I hope it will be. I want um, to circle back to Ogden's wife okay. and the conversation she has with uh, 
Reverend Anderson at, at when he's first kidnapped her, and she says, this, <laughs> "Jesus is coming, everybody look busy." Right. First of all, amazing line. I almost lost everything at that point. It's so great, but I, I like the ideas that she was bringing up to him of like, "You're kind of focusing on the negative here. Like, isn't your big man coming back? Like." Isn't Jesus coming? And if you're so upset about this, is it because you don't believe? Yeah. And it makes that moment when um, Kyle says to Anderson, uh, you know, if you, if he is up there, he's laughing at you. And Anderson just completely loses his shit after that. It brings that moment right to the surface, and it's very poignant. Like, Anderson doesn't believe. Like, he gave up everything for something he's not 100% sure he believes in. I don't, yep. I don't know what to do for Anderson. Like, I, I can't even imagine being this torn up inside, being this untethered to anything. Like, you don't have any friends, you don't have any family, you don't have your faith. He's just out there free-floating, and I'm really excited in these last two episodes and the previews we got were obviously going to be way more action-packed coming up. We've done a lot of talking these past few episodes. I don't know where he goes. Like, he's a madman on the loose, like... What is it? You've already kidnapped someone. Like, do you accidentally <laughs> kill someone? Like, what What happens next? But so to your point, right, we see, we leave Anderson off at the end of episode eight going the only place he can think of to go, which is to Patricia. <sighs> that's his That's his port in a storm, as it were. That's the one anchor he's got. Because you see, like, he and Kyle even literally come to blows. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not like he can even go to Kyle right now. He goes to the one place he can, and of course now her son is in Sydney's back pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's one of two reasons I can conceive of Sydney keeping this boy around. One is he's actively fighting with the part of him that is his host that wants to like molest and, and kill the boy. The other part is well, knowing who his mom is, knowing who his mom is romantically involved mm-hmm. in, this is a wonderful, this is basically a hand grenade that I can throw at Reverend Anderson almost whenever I want. These, these poor people. <laughs> these poor, so, okay, speak, but speaking of poor people, there's a lot that happened to and around Kyle that we have not even scratched oh, yet. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Kyle gets left, uh, and now he's got his daughter, which I still feel strongly that I'm like, get away from your... You've been described to as being the thing that guides them into the world. You make it easier for them. That means you've made your daughter an easy target, and pretty much anyone you hang out with regularly. I kind of want him just to attach himself to the hip to Reverend Anderson. Be like, look, I know you don't like me. I don't like you much right now either, but in order to keep people safe, we have to be together. You can't, obviously can't be around people. You're dangerous. I'm clearly a danger. I don't know how... I don't know why that's not his first concern. To me, it just seems like Amber is more like Kyle because she seems to be very aware of what's going oh, yeah. on. Is she special? Yeah. Because she touches mm-hmm. her grandmother and it feels in that moment like mm-hmm. something is ha- like um like the spark of God kind of picture just the tap of her finger. I'm like, are we having an E.T. moment? Is something <laughs> magical going to happen? I don't want to traipse too far yeah. into predictions quite no. yet, but I figured it was about 50-50 that either she was somehow possessed or she was somehow like Kyle in that sense. I yeah, I yeah. got the vibe that she was somewhat more like Kyle. Yeah, because and I feel like he saw that when he's talking to her and she tells him about what happened with her mom and everything is I feel like they had this connection that they're one and the same and that's why he doesn't seem as concerned because yeah. he's like she's like me, she'll be fine. Yeah. There was like a shift that was really subtle. Yeah. Yeah, and so we huh. get we get all of this this business with Allison starting to 
regain these memories of what was going on while she was possessed and this which like it really makes me more than anything else that's happened that made me feel for Allison oh, a, God, yeah. a great deal because we've gotten and you understand why we were already given the information to understand why but she's been thus far pretty distant pretty cold pretty closed hmm. off and you understand that she, you know, after after these episodes, you get a greater sense, or I did anyway, that a lot of that was total defense mechanism to protect herself from having to relive, essentially abusing her daughter. Mm. Yeah, and that's what Kyle didn't want her to remember either, because it was so horrible. He was willing to take the fall and her never know, because it is so horrible. And I feel like, you know, her self-medicating and trying to forget it, but now it's come to head, and that's why she's run off, but I feel like she'll be back. My only thing is, I'm surprised Mm -hmm. it took her so long, because you see the whole time, anytime you saw her, Allison, and Amber interact, Amber clearly did not like her mom, and had, like, this hate for her. Did she not wonder? Did did she just assume it's all because she made her dad go away? Is that, like, what they're implying? I feel like we definitely got that sense of questioning from her. Like, especially when we get to the part where Amber's drawing, and she's like, I don't don't know what face face to draw. Exactly. Like, it's clear she's been trying to put the puzzle pieces back together after this trauma. I'm more concerned about where she went off to. It sounded like Kyle felt she might be a danger to herself. Yes. Um, So that's kind of concerning, especially with Kyle's whole speech. uh, Again, the room with Amber and his mother talking about, uh, you know, it's not your fault and it wasn't her fault. And she still loves us as much as she ever has. Just things beyond our control. I think it would be the worst possible thing for Kyle is if his wife killed herself thinking it was her fault. Um and for Amber too, I mean, just I don't know. Again, he's had such a shitty life. Like, how much more can he take? When it's literally like just. It also seems like, and this is this is. I mean, any if you've ever watched a Joss Whedon show before, <laughs> you know you should never be more worried than when people are happy. Mm-hmm. So he gets, even though it's not in the way that he would necessarily like it to have happened, he gets to be with his daughter now. That tells me that something so much worse than anything that he's had to deal with is immediately around the corner. But he does seem to be under the impression, like, he has that conversation with Megan when Megan shows up and sees that Amber's there about what what happened. Like, no, her first response Mm -hmm. is basically, what did you do? (laughs) But then... That's a big sister does. Right. I was like, you know why she asked, and why would you ask that? Kyle! Come on. Your whole life is why she asked. Like, your only friend is pentagram chest. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'd be be concerned. (laughs) Sounds like my brother. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, so they, they move on, thankfully, from that part pretty quickly, but he tells her what's going on, and she asks, basically, you know, well, Allison's going to come back, right? And Kyle's response is essentially that, he, what I got from it, he doesn't know, he doesn't think so. So, uh, I, yeah, it, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like we don't know Allison enough to answer this question right now. We don't know enough about her her inner demons we don't know enough about like her tendency she's been so distant from kyle so she's been distant from us uh i'd like to see her come back actually players does a great job and it would be great if kyle didn't have to suffer the loss of another woman in his life really but i also feel like those warnings were so strong mm-hmm. about how you make it easy for us how the end times are coming Someone is going to get possessed again, Kyle. Like, it's literally just a matter of time. With only two episodes left, I'm going to guess sooner rather than later. Move away from the people that you love. Like, get away from them. It's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be blood. Yeah, and I mean, but that's why I'm I'm starting to 
think I'm starting to think that the little girl has some of Kyle's power as well. I mean, we know we know at the very least she's not possessed. Mm. I would think if demonic possession is like disease, the very young and very old are probably more susceptible. So maybe right, you take maybe you're right, you take a couple steps back. I'm trying to wrap my head around. It seems very much like they. So, okay, so Sydney refers to Kyle as this map, this beacon, this light mm-hmm. that they're all able to move towards. He's attracting them. He's pulling them from wherever they are into our plane. They maybe would have figured it out on their own eventually, but he's making it that much easier. But at the same time, they're also a little bit afraid of him. They're afraid of the power he has. I'm wondering, what what is Kyle's actual role in this entire thing? And is... Especially because we're getting these constantly these these uh, new chunks of information that are shifting our perspective about certain characters in such big ways. I'm wondering, just I'll phrase it this way: just because Kyle is ostensibly our protagonist of this show, does that automatically mean he's necessarily the hero of this story? I'm not sure. If Robert Kirkman saw us anything, not yeah. necessarily. Right. Rick Grimes, anyone? <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, I I don't know, and I think it's because we don't know where these things come from. We keep assuming because they framed it in the context of the church that it's a heaven-hell kind of thing, but that's never been explicitly said. They're never supposed to be called demons. It's clear they can be better than the humans they inhabit, or worse, but they're kind of still coexisting, so they're not fully killing whatever's inside of them. And I think until we know what their goal is, there can be no determination of good or evil. It just seems like survival at this point. And in in terms of how we do know it, I feel like you don't want to end up in a coma. You don't want to have to be forced to share your body with a foreign entity. Right. So, <laughs> not really either. He's kind of just straddling this line here of like, I could free you from something, but do you even know your... Are you aware of your possession? Or is that strictly the other person talking? Like, it's so muddled down in in ethics right now. Like, it's too muddled down to determine ethics at this point, I think. Yes. Well, I would say... I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would not use the word muddled, because muddled makes it sound to me like they are not in control of what they're doing, and it it gets too complicated to track. You know what I mean? I think it's insanely complex right now, and I Mm. think that's a credit to the writing on this show that you could actually track all of these points of view and all of these hardline stances about morality or about what my mission is or about what side I'm playing for and why I'm doing what I'm doing and it's all insanely complex and they all they bounce off of each other in such really interesting ways i love you chat room uh-huh. childhood's hour just said children are usually more aware and amber said that her mom should be more like her grandmother that's true amber did at one point go like well mom might be better if she's like grandma and i was like is this a child oversimplifying a situation of like well she looks at peace and she's not hurting and she's not hurting anyone so this is better or is this a girl with some magical powers, which I definitely got a sense of being like, this is a healthier state than whatever those things are running around out there. Yeah. yeah. And it's obvious that Allison is not possessed, because if Kyle just touching someone repels <laughs> him, I can't imagine having sex with one. Yeah. Oh, dear. 
that that's awkward, no. man. That like now this is actually a worse mental mm. image than the me. <laughs> <laughs> just had to put that out this there. This is super uncomfortable. Yeah. But but not I guess not without some no. entertainment value. You should see this show that I'm seeing right now. Oh god. Yikes. No. Wow. Yikes. So <laughs> So predictions? So let's, let's let's yeah, before we run out of time, since we since we keep bumping up against these walls that are leading us into areas of wild speculation, let us speculate wildly and move into predictions. <laughs> And now, oh. you're after Buzz TV. Oh, pink. This is pink, nice. pink this week. Yeah. Like, this is beautiful. Like, it's the, lovely. like the pentagram meat me- is <laughs> nice and pink. It's undercooked. <laughs> I think that the Reverend is going to end up hurting Patricia. Physically or emotionally, both? Both. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like now, because he... I feel like that's all he's going to be around, and I feel like just something, some big blow-up is going to happen there. And then I also think that that moment with Amber and Kyle's mom is, like, really significant, and I, I don't know what exactly it's going to be, but I think they showed that for a reason, and I think Kyle's mom's going to maybe come more into play. She's even though she's... Demon baby. You know what I mean, though? Because she's... I feel like they showed it for a reason. I don't know. I don't know. They, it could be mainly just for Amber, the sake of what's going to happen with Amber, but I get the vibe we might see her more. I don't know. I My head's all over the place. I, I don't know what's before, I will say it again. Some woman in Kyle's life is about to be possessed. There are three it could be. Mm-hmm. We've got Amber. We've got a sister. We've got a sister's kid. Any of them are prime, valuable suspects for either current possession or near future possession. Uh, uh, what? Oh my God! Names. Kyle's sister, Megan. 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 Megan had a sort of strange look as she's hugging her husband. Like there's this moment of like, gosh, relief. Like this is the guy I married. But then we get this kind of adjustment of shots where we're over the shoulder, and she's just kind of looking off distantly, and she suddenly seems not very connected to him. And we also know that these inhabiting entities just drop in. They no. just randomly just. Whoop, now we're here. Like no, was not that Megan. the moment? I. Y'all, it's not safe for anyone out here. I think Kyle has to get away from everybody. <gasps> Wait, can I say something else? Because Dad <laughs> yes. just thinking of it. Please do. Okay, so because <laughs> you thinking like if Megan gets possessed, mm-hmm. I think that if Megan gets possessed, you know how you're like crazy at first. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's gonna go off and like Donnie done. Well, I to see when that, she had that moment where she goes, mm-hmm. he, "It's never going to end." I kind mm-hmm. of got the vibes that she might kill him. And, but I don't think Megan herself would do that to her family, but if she is possessed or has someone... But if someone... you remember, she had the gun in her purse yeah. a couple episodes ago. She's thought about it. Yeah. And I do think that there's an argument to be made for the idea that if you go into that complete darkness on your own, it might open you up for mm. something like that, yeah. that entity to come be like, hey, this looks like a nice neighborhood, and then yeah. they're there. Yeah, and that's why, like, I agree with your point that I feel like Reverend Anderson and Patricia, there is going to be some friction, but I think it's going to have more to do with her son, and Mm -hmm. that Sydney will be using her son against Anderson and her, and that, you know, I feel like Anderson may wind up killing her son in some way. I mean, granted, we all agree that that's a good thing. But, but his mother's people, not going to think that. Well, his mother yeah. won't, and yeah. the townspeople certainly will be like, well, that is yeah. just proof yeah. evidence. Like, it's done now. Yeah. yeah, and as you say with Megan, this is another reason of it will tie in, there because their story's been very separate from Kyle Anderson and all the other stuff. If she gets possessed and then ultimately kills Donnie, that again ties everything up in a nice little umbrella bow. Yeah, so I am... 
I'm committing to this idea now that I think our the the two characters Anderson and Kyle that we were set up to treat as our heroes I think are ultimately going to be just as damaging and destructive as these characters that we have been mm. trained to view as our villains we're seeing it with Anderson already and yes Sydney's the one who's ultimately manipulating a lot of these pieces moving around but we've seen Anderson be pretty complicit so far in his own undoing I think in the case of Kyle there's a lot more going on than he's got these powers. He can stop them. I think, not not knowing, because I haven't. I just started reading the comics. I'm not that far yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a chance that these powers that he has, this this reality that he is a beacon, might make him very very dangerous, and it might end up being a situation where we don't we can't stop this without essentially snuffing out that flame, mm-hmm. as it were. The other thing that I want to touch on, not that I think will necessarily happen. But that I now really, really want to happen. Uh, so in the chat, Hikari mm-hmm. Tenno says, Kyle just needs to sleep with everyone? Question okay, mark. No. And so now what I'm pulling for is for season two. <laughs> for season two. Do you guys remember that show Hung where Thomas yeah. Jane is like a male prostitute? I want season two to be hung with demons. And I want it to be, <laughs> I want it to be Kyle essentially prostituting himself across the country to rid the world of demonic evil. It's our new web series, guys. Hung with demons. Yep. And see, I like Childhood's Hour, which is what if Kyle has more evil-centered powers, but Amber has good ones. And you do feel a sort of, like, similar similarity, but as well as a dichotomy at the same time between the two of them. So it'll... It'll be interesting. Yes. There is the scene. There is the scene where Kyle is talking to Amber, and they're they're having that conversation about you know what where'd mom go? Does mom still love us? Whatever. The, that the way that conversation was structured and the content of that conversation made it feel very much like Kyle's got this burden on him, and it's something that's going to be passed from father to daughter. Mm-hmm. Whether that means that Kyle himself will actually have to be dispatched as I'm starting to think. I can see that too when you said that. As I'm starting to think may in fact be the case. That remains to be seen but it definitely seems like this is something that Amber may have to contend with herself in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think so too. So... (laughs) <laughs> That's a lot to yeah, digest and like so let much. let sit and and ruminate on until next week and that's going to wrap up our conversation of these two episodes but before we dip out, there is something else that we wanted to... So to exciting! Tease. Yes. I think, Joelle, I think I'm going to let you take this. Really? Oh, yeah, that's I think so I'm, exciting! I think I'm okay, hi guys! So we're really excited because on August 3rd, that's this Wednesday, 6pm Pacific Standard Time, Lucretia, Lex, and I will be hosting a new show mm-hmm. called The Comics Corner Ooh. on Book Circle. We will be breaking down comics news, we'll be doing um, an arc of a comic every episode... Uh, come join us for our first episode to do the origin stories of us. You'll learn a little bit about what our favorite comics are, what we're looking for in great comics. We want to hear all about your favorite comics. Here's a question I have for you guys. Tell us what your favorite standalone issue is. It can be in a series. It can be a one-shot. Whatever. Just communicate with us. Tell us what your favorite is. We'll feature some of our favorite picks on the show. We'll talk to you guys a little bit. It's going to be interactive, so we need you guys in the live chat talking to us about what you picked up that Wednesday, what you're hoping to pick up in the future, what you're looking for, what you like, your favorite artists. Tell us. We're getting some special guests, which we're super excited about. Can't tell you yet. But please come and join us this Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, on Book Circle for Comics Corner learn more about comics and graphic novels. It's uh, going to yeah. be great. Yes. And I'd also like to give a special shout out to Skybound Entertainment, which is what Outcast is on for giving us cool Comic-Con swag yes. while we were there. Yeah. Swag. It's going to be great. Swag. Hashtag swag. 
So, that is going to do it for us here on the Outcast After Show for this week. Until next week, my wonderful panel, where can everybody find you guys on the internet? Hey guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Hey guys, I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me everywhere at Joelle Monique. And check me out this week on Black Girl Nerds Reviewing Films, talking to the ladies. It's good fun. Hi, I'm Abby Vega, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. And I am Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael. Yes, please check out Comics Corner on Wednesday and join us right here in our regular Sunday time next week. We're going to talk about episode nine. I have a feeling things are just going to get worse for these oh, yeah. nice folks. <laughs> we'll see you then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other aftershows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.